Let's spend some time in prayer, and as we do that, we're going to read through Psalm 100 as we're talking about worship this morning, if you would pray with me. Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Lord, we come with, to you with joy. We're so grateful that we can come and express our, our joy to you, Lord. We have a lot to be thankful for, even in the midst of difficulties in life. We have a lot to rejoice about. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. Lord, I'm so grateful that you created us, that you have molded us, that you have shaped us, and that you're in control. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Yes, I am a dirty sheep, Lord. I desperately need you. Without you, I would just wander away on my own. I need you to help shepherd me, Lord. Thank you for being the great shepherd. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Lord, we have so much to, to be thankful for. Even in the midst of difficulties in our life, most of us have houses to, to go home to and vehicles, and we know where our next meal is coming from. Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. We give thanks to him and praise his name, for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Lord, I'm so grateful to be a part of a church that believes in the priority of the next generation. We want to see generations and generations come and worship you because you're the one that's worthy to be praised. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Today we're talking about worship. As we've been talking about how, as a church, how uh, do we make disciples that make disciples and one of the best ways that we can do that is through worship. And the point for this morning is that everyone wins when you worship. Now, I have seen worship in America. I've seen it over the last few years through this worship of this show called Game of Thrones. Now, my stepdad, who's not a believer, called me when the show came out and said, Andy, I highly advise you to not watch any minute of that show. Uh, so I haven't seen any of it, and I'm not going to judge you if you have. I'm not going to make you raise your hand. But on the last episode, there was 40 million people that watched it as it was actually happening, which is unheard of in our world of media today. Uh, the Workforce Institute at Kronos said that 5.8 million people skipped work on that Sunday night, those that, are, are, that typically work on Sunday night, to watch the, the final episode. And they also found that about 36 million people admit to sp spending at least one hour per week on the clock talking about reading or posting online about Game of Thrones, even if they don't actually watch the show. So this is a, a form of worship in our country. And we believe that worship is important, but worshiping the triune God, the true God, is the most important thing that we can do. So we need to define worship this morning. We believe that worship is our response to God's revelation of himself in creation, in his word, and in Jesus Christ. So we believe that as God reveals himself in creation, that he's worthy of our praise, he's worthy of worship. As he reveals himself in his very word, as we pick up his word and as we're learning more about him, that he deserves to be worshiped. And then because of what Jesus did, living a perfect life, dying on the cross for our sins, raising from the dead, he's worthy of worship. I love thinking about who God is. And then the shorter catechism question number four, 
The question is, what is God? And I love this definition, packed with what Scripture says God is. God is a spirit, infinite, eternal, and unchangeable in his being. Isn't that awesome? That the one that we worship isn't up there just changing his mind all the time. We don't have to worry about what he wants from us or what he thinks about us. He is consistent. And he's unchangeable in his being, in his wisdom, in his power, in his holiness, in his justice. Isn't that good? When, when things go wrong in this world, that ultimately there's going to be justice because we worship a holy, holy, holy God. That he's unchangeable and infinite and eternal in his goodness and in his truth. In a world that doesn't believe in truth, as believers in God, we believe that there is absolute truth that comes from a holy and awesome God. See, we want to worship the triune God. We want to worship God the Father, who's the creator of everything on, in heaven and earth. We want to worship God the Son, who is equal with the Father. We believe that Jesus Christ is fully God and fully man. We believe he was conceived by the Holy Spirit and was born of the Virgin Mary. We believe he died on the cross to pay the full and awful penalty for our sins. We believe he rose bodily from the dead, that he ascended into heaven and now seated at the right hand of the Father. We want to worship God the Son. Then we want to worship God the Holy Spirit. We believe the Holy Spirit is God the Spirit, equal with the Father and the Son of God. That He's present in the world to make men aware of their need for Jesus Christ. He applies the, the salvation that Christ provided for us on the cross to every Christian at that moment when we put our faith in Him. And He leads us and He guides us as we go throughout our week. Uh, with power that can only come from him. See, we believe that everyone wins when you worship. See, God wins because he's getting the worship that he deserves. And you win because you're able to focus on the true God. You're able to focus on all the ways that he has blessed you, all the ways that you can call out to him with thankfulness. And others win. Our brothers and sisters in Christ win because they get to see you worshiping. They get to be encouraged by the way that you're worshiping. And then others that don't know Jesus uh, win too because they get to see, even if they don't fully understand it, they get to see people that are worshiping something that's bigger than themselves. They get to see the goodness of God uh, through your lives. You get, they get to see the goodness of God, uh, of you worshiping even through your mistakes because they get to see you counting on his forgiveness and his love and his mercy. The main scripture that we're going to look at this morning is in Ephesians uh, chapter 5. And if you remember from last week, if you were here last week, if not, I'll give you a quick update. In Ephesians, uh, they were really struggling with idol worship. The church in Ephesus was being influenced by the culture in Ephesus. And the culture in Ephesus had idol worship. There was this main uh, idol that they worshipped named Artemis that was in the middle of their city that they would worship. Uh, they would worship, literally worship the idol, and, but then they would worship with their lives. It affected the politics, it affected the finances, it affected the economy, it affected the tourism, it affected everything. And if anybody came into this port city of Ephesus, which was a major trade route uh, in the ancient world, they were affected by this idol worship. And the people there, they were looking for fame, they were looking for power, they were looking for success. These are some of the things that they were drawn to through their idol worship, and sounds pretty familiar, right? I mean, it sounds like the culture that we live in, and it sounds like the challenge of 
our church, just like it was the challenge in the church in Ephesus. See, the Word of God is living and active, that when Paul wrote this to the church in Ephesus, he was writing it directly to them, but it applies to us too, because we get to see how God is working in the midst of all of this idol worship that we have here in America today. See, Jeremiah told the people of Israel, he said, we've forsaken the fountain of living waters and dug broken cisterns that can't hold water. I mean, that's what it's like when we worship things that aren't the true God, that they can't hold water, they can't fulfill us, that the only spring of life is worshiping the one true God. And that's why it's so important that we realize that worshiping him is the only way that's going to satisfy our soul. Because he's worthy of praise. He's worthy of worship. In Ephesus, they needed the reminder of that. And in World Golf Village, we need the reminder of that. We need the reminder that he is the one that's worthy of praise. So here's the main scripture this morning in Ephesus chapter, uh, Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 18. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. It's really interesting that Paul makes the connection between getting drunk on wine and being filled with the Spirit. Because when we're drunk, what ends up happening? When you see someone that's drunk, what do you see them doing? They're typically out of control. They're typically making a fool of themselves. They're typically saying things that certainly don't honor God. But when we're filled with the Spirit, it's just the opposite, that we're in control, but we're, we're being moved by the Spirit, that we're filled with joy. We're filled with peace. We're able to speak wisdom because the Spirit working in and through us. It's interesting, it says, to speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. So we certainly gather together as a church to worship Him, but we're also encouraging one another. We're also helping one another to worship Him. And that's the power of gathering together in worship, because certainly through your life and the week, you can worship God on your own, but it's when we gather together is where we find the power and we find the strength. And even says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, that we help one another, we encourage one another, we lift one another up as we worship Him. That's where the power and the strength is. See, we, we're called to love and respect and honor Christ. And because of that, we'll love and respect and honor others. In the nation of Israel, they had seven major feasts. And in Leviticus chapter 23, verse 44, uh, Moses talks about the feast. He says, and Moses announced to the Israelites the appointed feasts to the Lord. These were feasts of worship. And out of the seven, two of them were about introspection. Two of them were about uh, looking in about the sin in their life and, and coming to the Lord with repentance. Uh, but the other five were joyous occasions. The, 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 the Feast of triumph, uh, Trumpets, the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of Pentecost, so the First Fruits, the Unleavened Bread. They were about bringing joy to the Lord. And that's why one of our core values here at Good News is joy. We want you to come in here and learn about God in a joyous way so that you can go out with more joy than, than you came in with. And that's part of worshiping God. Yes, some of it is confessing. Yes, some of it is repenting. And we encourage one another to do that. 
But a lot of worship is bringing our joyful, a joyful noise to the Lord, bringing joy to Him, bringing a thankful heart to Him. See, everyone wins when you worship, and our action step for this morning is to keep coming. And some of you might take that as keep coming to church, which would be great. We want you to keep coming. We want you to keep coming and be a part of the body of believers. But when we really say keep coming, what we mean is keep coming to worship God. Worship Him in your life, not just on Sunday, not just at small group, but with your whole life. And we talked at the beginning of the year about the chairs of discipleship. And we've talked about in chair one are people that, that are coming and seeing. They're coming and checking out Jesus. They're not yet believers. And worship is good for you. Because you get to see people around you that are worshiping. And even though you don't, may not fully understand it, you get to see that somebody that's worshiping something that's bigger than themselves. I remember the first time I went to a Christian gathering before I was a believer at Flagler College. And I remember seeing all these people worshiping God and they were raising their hands and they were calling out to God. And it was really strange. It was really weird. But I remember leaving there thinking, wow, they're worshiping something more than themselves. And that, that didn't immediately make a change in my life, but it was something that stuck with me. I got to see them worshiping something more than just them. In chair two, once you put your faith in Christ, that's when you start worshiping him. That you're following after him. And one of the ways that you follow after him is worshiping him. And then chair three, you're becoming a worker. You're becoming a fisher of men. And if you're going to be a worker for Jesus, you have to worship. The only way that's going to work, the only way that you're going to keep your heart uh, focused on him is by worshiping him as you're serving others. And then chair four is bearing much fruit that you're, you're a disciple maker that's making disciples. And you can't make disciples without knowing the true disciple maker. And that's the triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we worship him for who he is. And we also worship him for who he makes us in Christ. As I was looking through scripture this week, I saw all these amazing truths of who we are in Christ. And so, yes, we should worship him for who he is. But then all these truths make me want to worship him even more. Then in scripture, we see that the Holy Spirit lives in us. That we have access to God's wisdom. I mean, what an amazing thing that is. If you're struggling with making a decision in your life as a believer in Christ, it says in James that we should come and seek wisdom and he'll give it to us. That we've gained access to God's wisdom. That he's helped by God, that we're helped by God, that we're reconciled to God, that we're not just condemned by him, that we're, we're justified, and that we have Christ's righteousness. I mean, what an amazing truth from Romans chapter 5, that we're no longer in our sin, we're being made righteous. What an amazing reason to worship, right? That we're no longer uh, in our sin, we're seen as Christ. That we're completely forgiven, that we're the salt of the earth, the light of the world, that we're Christ's friend, that we're chosen by Christ to bear fruit, that we're a joint heir with Christ, sharing in his inheritance with him. That's pretty cool, that we get to share the inheritance of the eternal God with Christ. What an amazing thing. What an awesome thing to remember so that we can worship him. I'm united to the Lord in one spirit with him. I'm a member of Christ's body. I'm a saint. I'm chosen by God and dearly loved. I'm a child of light. I'm sanctified. I'm a member of the chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, people of God's own possessions created to sing 
his praises. That's part of the reason why we're created, is to worship him. That we can approach God with boldness and freedom and confidence. That we've been given uh, great promises by God. That we've been bought with a price. That we've been adopted as God's child. That we have direct access to God through the Holy Spirit. Isn't that awesome? We don't have to go through any other person. We can go directly to God because of what he's done in and through us with the power of the Holy Spirit. That we're a citizen of heaven. That we're God's co-worker. That we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. See, everyone wins when you worship. Keep, keep coming. Keep coming. We decided this morning to do something a little bit different. We're talking about worship. And we have someone on our staff whose title is the worship director. So Ella Fullerton's coming up here. And, and I'm so, yeah, you can clap for her. I, I, I was going to tell you to clap for her, but they just did it. I love it. See, the great thing is on Sunday mornings, you guys get to see her worship, but I get to see her throughout the whole week, and she's the real deal. She loves the Lord, and it's great to see her heart, and I want you to hear her heart this morning uh, because you are the worship director and because uh, you're the one that really helps us to, to be led in, in worship. I thought it would be important to, to hear what you think. Uh, about worship and so how can we worship God with our lives and not just on Sunday mornings yeah uh it's so much more than just singing like it's it's our whole life and I really like Romans 12 1 um it says therefore I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to God this is your true and proper worship so like it's offering our whole life as a living sacrifice to him. Um, and two things that help me to do that in life, that I don't think I could worship him with my life without these two things, are um, spending time with God in his word and in prayer. Um, and I think it's those two things that, that bring out a passion in worshiping him with our lives and in worshiping him through song. It brings out a passion that we might not ever experience without without having those two key elements in our life because um, we just understand better who we're worshiping yeah i love that yeah, you you obviously have a, a full-time job and yeah. you're a young mom and chase your husband has a full-time job and there's lots of craziness that happens in life so in the midst of all that what are some ways that uh, you prioritize worship prioritize worship and how maybe others can too yes the short answer is margin mm. but i'll get back to that um, so I just know that days are rougher and tempers are shorter and life is just harder when you don't start off spending time with him in his word and in prayer. Um, and I know it doesn't make any sense that like adding something to your schedule would actually make it less crazy. Yeah. But in this case, it's true. So just like stick with me. Um, so First Thessalonians 5, 5 through 8 in the message version says, you are sons of light daughters of day. We live under wide open skies and know where we stand. So let's not sleepwalk through life like those others. Let's keep our eyes open and be smart. People sleep at night and get drunk at night, but not us. Since we are creatures of day, let's act like it. Walk out into the daylight sober, dressed up in faith, love, and the hope of salvation. So I want to walk out of my house in the morning as a daughter of day, dressed in faith, love, and the hope of salvation, because that's what prepares us to worship him with our lives. And life is super, super crazy. Um, so making time to spend with him in the morning um, in his word and in prayer is 
is really hard to make that a, a priority in our lives. Um, but somebody told me once that when we say that we're too busy for something, what we're actually saying when we say that is that it's just not a priority in our lives. Yeah. Um, and so I love the song, Build My Life, so much because it speaks to that. It speaks to prioritizing him first as the non-negotiable piece mm -hmm. of our life, and then other things fill in, in after that. But he's the non-negotiable part. And I think lately in my life, um, just figuring out what my negotiables and my non-negotiables are has just kind of keep coming up in this effort to create margin. Mm. Um, and so I wanted to share Leviticus 19.9. It says, when you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Um, and it reminds me a little bit of when you create a Word document and you're trying to <laughs> squeeze as much as possible on one page. A really easy trick is to just narrow your margins a little bit, um, and then you can fit so much more on the page. And so I think we do that with life a little bit. Like, we need to fit one more thing in, and so we just narrow our margins a little bit. And then something else comes up, and we're like, oh, we'll just narrow them a little bit one more time. And we do it over and over again until, like, not only do we not have any margin, but we're, like, spilling on to the next page, and we're overwhelmed, and it's just exhausting, and we can't keep up with that. Um, I love, we're getting real this morning when there's yeah. two Leviticus verses. Leviticus, you know, man. That's, Leviticus. You know we're getting real here this morning. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> so um, I wanted to share a question that really helped me to kind of think through some of those negotiables and non-negotiables in my life and um, just share that with you this morning. So what is something that you are committed to right now that is preventing you from spending time with God and his word and in prayer, or something that's taking you out of church, or something that's taking you out of small group, okay, hold that thing in your head, is that thing actually necessary? Mm. And I think something for us might have been like, when we would have a long day, and we'd be coming home from work, and it was like, oh, like, let's watch some TV. And it, we would just keep, Netflix just like keeps starting the next show. <laughs> um, so you, we would stay up too late. You and were then, binging. Yes, we were binging. And we would stay up too late watching TV, and then in the morning when my alarm would go off, I would justify hitting snooze like five times because I had a late night. That late night was not <laughs> necessary. Like, that was self-inflicted. And so I've just been very convicted by negotiables and non-negotiables lately. And so I think one of the stories in the Bible that convicts me even more is the story of Jesus and the disciples praying in the garden in Matthew 26. Um, Jesus asks them to pray with him, and they literally, like, keep falling asleep on him. <laughs> And at first when I read that story, I felt a little judgy, like, geez, guys, if God asked me to pray with him, like, I would not fall asleep on him. Um, and then I realized that that's my struggle every morning. <laughs> um, so I love just all the examples of, of Jesus in scripture going off alone and, and praying, and especially in the morning. And then I especially love the one where he had a late night, too. And that wasn't an excuse. Um, Mark 1, 35 says, Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. So even when Jesus' body craved more sleep, he knew that the true source of revitalization was not on his back, but on his face. Um, and the TV thing is, is a small thing, um, but sometimes it's bigger things. So say you, you um, feel like you never have time because you're, driving kids like all around creation to all these different events and sports and like stuff that they're involved in. Like what of those things that you're doing are, is actually necessary? Um, yeah, we, we took a year, I'm gonna speak this real quick. Yeah. We, we took a year off from extracurricular 
extracurricular activities in our family, and it's been the most peaceful year <laughs> ever. We've we just enjoyed it so yeah. much. And there's nothing evil about extracurriculars or anything like that, but it's yeah. been really peaceful. To yeah, but they just might break. not all be necessary. Right. They're not bad. They just might not be necessary in this season to create some margin. Um, or like even bigger than that, it's been pretty big things for us lately. Like so maybe you feel like you have to work all the time or work two jobs to pay all your bills and to pay this giant mortgage and like what what of these bills that you're paying are actually necessary? Um, you know, I think sometimes maybe we could think outside the box. Like maybe we could downsize or maybe we could get a cheaper car or um, you know just just different ways of kind of getting creative to create some margin in our lives. Um, but I think sometimes because we don't learn that early in life, we already have our hands full of like a bunch of different puzzle pieces that we think are non-negotiable and um, they're not. But we've, we already have our hands full and we think they're necessary in our lives and it's hard to, to let them go. Um, and it reminds me a little bit of tithing too. Sorry, I'm just going to go all over the place. Go for it. Um, <laughs> like when we look at our already overextended budgets, and we try to figure out where on earth we're going to fit 10% into our budget, like it's not going to work because it's backwards. Like the 10% is first, and then we, we fill in, you know, after that. Um, it reminds me, we're, we're remodeling a house right now. <laughs> it's been fun. Um, <laughs> so we're very familiar with, like, the foundation is extremely important. So you can't put carpet on top of concrete that's crumbling because it's going to get moldy and disgusting. You have to tear the carpet out and start with the foundation, and then build up from there, or else your life is gonna get moldy and smell gross. Allison coming to work with scratches and bruises, oh, and she's getting all worked by this remodeling. <laughs> but start with the foundation. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and so speaking of the foundation, the one who we're worshiping is the foundation. So how can we get to know the one who we're worshiping? Yeah, and I think it's important because it makes all areas of worship more passionate when we know who we're worshiping. Um, because if we don't know him, like, why would we change our life? Yeah. Like, all that stuff I just yeah. talked about, like, if you don't know him, you're just like, Ella's crazy. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> like, yeah. why, would, why would I even want to do that? That sounds horrible. Um, but as we get to know Jesus, we just want to get to know him more and more and more. Um, it's just a natural progression. Um, so don't start off with, if you never spend time with him in his word, don't start out tomorrow morning waking up an hour early and try to fill an hour of time hanging out with Jesus, because that'd be like going on a blind date and trying to fill up an hour of time with somebody that you have no history with and you have no idea what to talk about. Like, there's just not that much small talk to, to, to fill up that hour. Um, but, you know, if you were trying to spend an hour with your best friend, it would go by like that, because you guys know each other and you're, you have a relationship. Um, so it's, it's a friendship. It's not a requirement. Like, don't go into it in the morning like, oh, Ella told me I have to spend this time with him. Like, <laughs> it's not, it's, it just do a little taste. And once you taste it, it just, it just ignites your heart. Like, you just want more and more and more of it. Um, so a practical way to kind of start that is with the study. So they're on, like, every other chair. They look like this. Um, right now we're on page 51 this morning. But then the following couple pages after that, um, the, like, daily, what's it called, daily prompts or something, spend time with Jesus. Um, it just helps you kind of get in the habit of getting in his word. It gives you a passage to read, and then it helps you with, like, how to pray through that passage. And I think that's a really good place to start out with him. Um, and something that kind of spurs me on with that is learning more and more about Jesus's humanity. Like he had to learn and grow closer to his father 
in the same way that we can. Like we have the same resources that Jesus had access to with his relationship with his father when he was here on earth. And so um, I want to take advantage of those resources because that's amazing. Like not because I have to, but because I want to. Like the verse that you shared about having wisdom in our lives, yeah. like we have to take advantage of it yeah. though. Like it's there for us, um, but we, we just have to, to grab it. And um, I think sometimes when we don't have that relationship with God with, and when we don't have that closeness, we feel that and we might come into church on a Sunday morning hoping that like the pastor's walk with God will infuse us with this fresh energy for life. That's scary. <laughs> yeah, because sermons are great, but um, they can't replace sitting at Jesus's feet one-on-one with him in prayer and in his word. Um, and it's just, it's really powerful. So when we, once we taste it, we just want more and more and more. Yeah, and I think that's such a great point because typically, you know, people come two, three times a month to a, a church service. They come for an hour and they, there's worship music and there's a message. There's a lot of pressure on that hour for the staff if that's what you're counting on 100% yeah. to be all you're filling up. Uh, we want to inspire you to have a relationship with the Lord so you can worship him with, with your life. We want you to learn things and want you to be inspired on Sunday mornings, but it's a short period of time. Yeah. And so during that short period of time, though, we want it to, to be something that's very fruitful. And so sometimes it's difficult to get everyone in order on Sunday morning and you're coming in here with chaos and all these things. So what are some things that people can do to prepare their hearts for our co corporate worship time when we gather as a church? Yeah, it's, I think it's a culmination of a lot of the things that we talked about already. Um, like if you wait until Sunday morning to try and prepare your heart for Sunday morning, like yeah. that's too late. You've, yeah. you've waited too long. Yeah. Um, but if we show up and we're expected to be filled up by the people on stage and their relationship with God, we're just going to leave really disappointed because you and I are just not that awesome. Um, but if we... You're awesome. If we I come... No, if we... <laughs> If we come after knowing him and having spent time with him and his word throughout the week, we're going to be so excited to be here. Like, we're going to be just bursting with praise during the music and, like, uncontrollable joy. And we're going to be, like, sitting on the edge of our seat, poised to take notes during the message and excited to hear what the Holy Spirit has to deposit into our hearts this morning. And I think a lot of times our focus on Sunday morning can, can be a little bit consumerism-y. Like, what does this church have for me this morning? And I think when we spend time and get to know him, it shifts into like, okay, so how can I help others draw closer to Jesus today? Um, and maybe it's, it's small things. Like maybe you just want to serve on a team or um, park further away so the guests can park closer or the bathroom countertop has water on it. Like take a paper towel and wipe off the bathroom yeah. and um, getting here early to help wherever. But like all those things, not doing those out of this, guilt or this necessity we do them because we've already spent time with jesus all week and we're just overflowing and we just want people to know him more and more yeah. oh i love that I, my dad uh, mike herko is the captain of the parking team and i tell him all the time that the that the worship the corporate worship that we have together on sunday morning starts there yeah. and uh, so i think everyone can help out with that that it's our spiritual act of worship all the things that we do when we gather together it's such a great point Ella. really good so I think people would think worship director, it's the music person. And so that's the main way that you worship God, but um, maybe it's something different. So what, what is the most meaningful part of your time in worship? Yeah, um, I think specifically it's surrendering and yielding 
within my time of prayer, but it also overflows into, into musical worship too. But it's, it's that act of surrender within those, those two times. So um, I have to journal my prayers out because the inside of my brain is mass chaos. Um, so <laughs> I can't like stay focused when I'm praying inside my head. Um, so I have to write them out and I actually write them out in the study right now. And um, what I journal through is the acronym PRAY. It's really hard to remember. Um, so the P stands for praise. The R stands for repent. The A is for ask. And the Y is for yield. So as I pray, those are the things that I focus on. So praise, I, I praise God for who he is and thank him for what he's already done in my life. The repent, um, usually there's something that kind of just keeps popping up that God keeps kind of putting on my heart that I need to ask forgiveness for. Um, and then some, a lot of times it actually comes out of the reading that I, I read in scripture. Something kind of touches my heart that I'm like, ooh, I need to work on that. Um, and then the ask is just usually has something to do with asking for help for the thing that I'm asking forgiveness for. Um, it also includes asking for wisdom. It includes praying over the requests of others. I have this elaborate note card system to try and keep track of um, prayer requests again because the inside of my brain is crazy. I have to write everything down. Um, and then we always pray over um, healing for our daughter, Artessa. And um, she just has some health stuff that we're praying over for her. And then the hardest part after all that is the why. Um, so not my will, Lord, but yours be done. And sometimes I write that or say that, and my heart isn't there yet. Like, <laughs> and I just am honest with God with that in that moment. But I still proclaim it over the situation until my heart has a chance to catch up with it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm just honest with God. And I think surrender is also a huge part of musical worship for me um, because I think that it's that act of just admitting that like we don't have it all together, but God does. That's a really hard thing for a control freak to admit. <laughs> like we don't have yeah. it all together and God does. And it's this outward expression and musical worship of physically surrendering to him. I think that like this is like the universal sign for surrender. Like, please don't shoot me. Um, so when we lift our hands, we're surrendering to him, but we're also exalting him. And so I wanted to read a couple of Psalms this morning. Um, Psalm 63, two through four says, I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you and I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. Psalm 143, 5 through 6 says, I remember the days of long ago. I meditate on all your works and consider what your hands have done. I spread out my hands to you. I thirst for you like a parched land. Psalm 47, 1 says, clap your hands, all you nations. Shout to God with cries of joy. So worship is full of joy. So let's cry out to him and let's lift up our hands to him. I think I get so discouraged, not maybe discouraged, but at concerts, we, we have this, we feel this freedom to like worship and sing along until we lose our voices and get crazy when this frail little human being comes out on stage. Like they're human and we're losing our minds glorifying them. And then I think, I'm not sportsy, but I think the same thing happens it at sports happens events. absolutely happens sports all the time. <laughs> Where we like lose our minds praising these, these people. Mm. But then like if we're not ashamed to worship a team or a band or the show that you talked about, like, when we worship God, why, why do we feel so ashamed of that? If anything, we should be even more expressive when we worship God because he's the creator of the universe and he's actually worthy of our praise. 
Um, he, he created us and he loves us and we just want to, to praise him and, and exalt him for that. So. And you to work into responding. You know, I mean, I think that it's not necessarily about raising your hands, but it's about responding to yeah. the one that's worthy that you worship. I think, you know, you could start off down here and then maybe go like this and then, <laughs> woo, and then both hands. You know, you could work your way towards that. Uh, but it's not even about the raising of the hands necessarily. It's just about our response yeah. to the one who's worthy to be praised. Yeah, and and listening. This is, I'm going off script. And, um, <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> like, and listening to the words and not just like, I don't know, sometimes we're tired and we might come in with our cup of coffee and we're just like standing there and we're not like the words mm. are going in one ear and out the other ear. Like, no, really meditate on the words. Half of these songs, what we're singing is like direct scripture. Yeah. So like really hear. Don't just listen, mm. but like hear and mm. understand and, and praise him. Um, anything else before I have this? No, that's me? great. Okay. I love okay. it. So great, if the worship team job. would come back up on stage, um, we're going to play a song together that kind of sums up what we talked about this morning. Um, and I just wanted to remind us again, like we talked about, like that they're not entertainers. They're not coming up here as professionals. Like we are just people in the congregation that love Jesus passionately and we just want to help others get to know him and worship him. And so um, this is an opportunity for us to, to worship him in a posture of surrender. And maybe you've never worshipped him in that posture, or maybe you've never been very expressive in your worship. Um, this is just an opportunity for us to stand united, strong, lifting up Jesus, exalting him above all, surrendering to him, asking him to reprioritize our lives. Um just to, to, to give our lives to him. So Matthew 10, 39 says, whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. And if you have absolutely no idea who God is this morning and you're very confused, um, because, again, I sound like a crazy person, um, we just would love to just introduce him to you. And if you don't know him on a deeper level, maybe you still want to come up and just have a start the conversation about God and how to, to press that deeper into your life. Um, Andy's going to stand at the front of the stage during this next song. And so if you want to start that conversation, we would, we would love to introduce you to Jesus because he's amazing and we know how amazing he is and we want that for you. Um, and we got several other people that are, are going to be helping me yeah. out. So if you see s someone with me, please don't hesitate to come still. We get yeah. other people to Yeah, come they're going to pass, yep. pass them off. Yep. Um, and so to start off the conversation that you're going to have, I wanted to just say some lyrics to a song over us this morning. And maybe you've been a Christian like your whole life and you, or maybe you just heard the name of Jesus for the first time, but either boat that you're in, I pray that these lyrics this morning that like we talked about, they wouldn't just go in one ear and out the other, but that you would actually think them through and digest them and that um, you, would, you're, you would have ears to hear. So the lyrics are, if you were to die tonight, do you know for sure where you would go? What would you say if you stood there today before the throne and the king of kings asked, what should I let you in for? If you say because you're good, because you try real hard, then you would die for sure. Because Jesus came to take our place. He conquered death to claim a place for you. He died for you. So reach out your hand and take hold of it and then tell the world that Jesus lives in you. He lives in you. So God, I've sinned and I repent. I trust you, Lord, that Jesus is your son, your only son. I lift my head and I commit my life to you. Take all of it for you, Lord. As our worship, we live for you. So if you don't know him, come and see Andy.
And if you do know him, would you stand as we worship him together? Lord, we come before you in surrender. We come before you to exalt you in this time of worship, Lord. We are so excited to be in this place because we know you and we love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray.